We're outside. It's awesome. So we're all thankful that fall weather is here. Wanted to let you know about our Wednesday nights. They're awesome. Uh, our youth and kids meet on Wednesday nights. We even have a meal at 515 that you can sign up for. Um, let us know if you are interested in eating before our Wednesday night activities. But it's great. Our youth and kids have a great time, and we do a lot of the activities outside. Uh, we also have throughout the week Men at the Well, which is awesome. Uh, Pastor Sam's Bible study, which is the best Bible study in the whole world. Yeah, Pastor Sam thinks so. And then we have Mosaic over at the Back 40 on Thursdays. Uh, and a really awesome, exciting announcement we have. Our 175th anniversary is happening uh, the last Sunday of the month. Bishop Deborah Wallace Paget will be here with us. We would like for you to RSVP for that event just so we know how many people are coming and how we can spread everyone out. That's going to be just one service that Sunday instead of the two services. Um, but when you RSVP, whether you do that with a card you get in the mail or you can do that on the website or the app, but there's a section when you RSVP to let us know what you love about the church. It's an awesome thing that we can all do. Um, I've also been told today you can donate a mum uh, in memory or honor of a loved one at the special service. Mums are $15 and they, would be, they will be placed throughout the sanctuary uh, that Sunday. And you can take the mum home after the service. Uh, but please place your order by September 21st at the church office. And this is my last announcement. We uh, continue to have babies born into the life of the church. That's so exciting. So we have two roses on the altar. Uh, one for Bexton Townsell. Parents are D uh, Dallas and Heather and a big brother, Xander. And then also a rose for Lucy Miller Hall. Parents are Philip and Casey. Big brothers, Wes, Shep, and Banks. So that's four kids in that family. They got their hands full. So, uh, but this is great news for our early learning center too, all these new babies. It's great news, great news. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship this morning. And we're so thankful for this awesome weather too. I pray right now that you can calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and worship with us?
to glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against, oh yes, I will. Over me, 
Amen. Y'all can be seated. I'm so glad to see you today, and I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us online. Uh, Miss Stacy's going to take our children's children's church, and they're going to have a lot of fun today. They're already having fun. Clementine's already having fun. Yeah. All right. So everybody that wants to go to children's church, so you gr- you grown-ups can sneak out to go to children's church if you just want to. Uh, I want to thank you for supporting your church. I want to thank you for, for giving your time and, and your talents. And I want to thank you for serving. We, we have uh, a lot of ministries that we are so proud of. And we, we couldn't do that if you didn't help serve. We couldn't have the fantastic uh, uh, early learning center if, if you didn't send your kids and if we didn't have such a great program and, and such dedicated teachers. We couldn't do any of this if it weren't for your support. So I want to ask you to keep on supporting your church. We have um, our offering. We don't pass plates anymore, but we have the plates by the doors. You can make your offering there. You can give online. You can go to our website. You can go to our church app. I encourage you to download our church app if you can do that. Uh, That will help you um, learn more about the things that are going on in the church and ways that you can help. Um, We have... uh, um, big, big Sunday coming up on the last of this month, the last Sunday of the month. It's our 175th anniversary. We're going to have one service at 10 o'clock, and it's going to be, I mean, an all-out service. We're going to do everything that we can to just celebrate in every way and and highlight all of our ministries and all of our music, and it's going to be wonderful. I want you to make a reservation. I think Pastor Andy mentioned it earlier. Please make a reservation just so that we know we're going to set up for overflow in the gym so that we can still stay kind of spread out and spaced out. Um, so help us by doing that and join us in the celebration. If you're connecting with us online, celebrate with us online. We love to hear that. Um, I want to ask you to send your prayer requests if you have them. Send them to us by email, drop them off, fill out one of the cards that's on the the newsletter um, sheet that you'll find by the offering plates. Just let us know how we can pray for you. Let's pray now. God, it's, it's a beautiful day that you've given us, and it's a beautiful opportunity for us to worship you together. Thank you for that awesome reminder that death has been arrested and our lives have begun because of what you've done for us. We can't say thank you enough for what you have done for our redemption just because you loved us that much, not because of anything that we did, because you loved us that much. So God, if, if we come to worship today, carrying baggage, help us to lay that down, to, to just to give that to you. All of that junk, Lord, we've been carrying around, all of the worries about tomorrow and regrets over yesterday, all of the secret sins we don't think anybody knows about, you know about. So just wash us clean, Lord. Make us able to just fully praise you from a grateful heart today. Lord, for the gifts, for the tithes and offerings, for every minute of, uh, of service that, that you're church family gives we pray that all of it will bring glory to you and that we might shine our light here right in downtown Gadsden and that it might shine wherever we go in Jesus name we pray amen the world it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough you came along put me back together Desires now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing. Else. 
Well, that's one of my new favorite songs now. I really like that. Good job. Good job, Praise Band. Awesome. I want you to uh, join me as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 today. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The theme for the month of September is labor. Today, we're talking about labor union. Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I heard a story about a, a man who lived up north, and he couldn't sleep one night, and so he got up and took a walk. And as he was walking, he walked across a bridge in the middle of the night, and there in the bridge stood a man about to, about to jump off the, the bridge to kill himself. And he, he hollered at the man and said, Hey, hey, man, don't do it. Don't do it. You've just got so much to live for. And the man said, okay, like what? And he said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person of faith. Do you believe in God? And the man said, yes, I believe in God. And he said, well, same with me. And he said, um, are, are, you, um, are you a Christian or um, a Jew or what? He said, I'm a Christian. Well, the same with me. And he said, well, are, are you a Catholic Christian or are you a Protestant Christian? He said, I'm a Protestant. He said, well, the same with me. He said, well, what kind of Protestant are you? Are you a Methodist Protestant? Are you a Baptist Protestant? I'm a Baptist Protestant. Same with me. And he's trying to, you know, build rapport with this man, you know. And, and he said, well, are you a Southern Baptist or a Northern Baptist? I'm a Northern Baptist. Same with me. Well, are you, are you a conservative Northern Baptist or a liberal Northern Baptist? I'm conservative Northern Baptist. Same with me. Same with me. He was really on a roll now. And he said, well, are you conservative Northern Baptist Great Lakes or conservative Northern Baptist uh, New England? I'm conservative Northern Baptist Great Lakes. Same with me, man. Same with me. And he said, well, are you conservative Northern Baptist Great Lakes 1879, are you conservative Northern Baptist Great Lakes 1921? And he said, 1921. And the guy pushed him off the bridge and said, die, infidel. That was just a joke, y'all. I thought it was good. It sounded better when I started at home, I guess. I just want to show you that Sometimes we have so much that's in common, and yet we focus on the differences. We're focused on the differences. We can't get any unity. All right, so I'm going to, since that one didn't, didn't go over so well, I'm going to try another experiment. When I count, and if you're, you're watching at home, I want, you to, I want you to do this too. When I count to three, if you are an Alabama fan, I want you to say Roll Tide. If you're an Auburn fan, I want you to say War Eagle. If you are, I don't know, an Arkansas fan, let's say Woo Pig Suey or, or whatever it is that you're a fan of, I want you to do your, your chant, okay? Go Bulldogs or whatever it is. Um, so if you, if you don't like football at, all, uh, football at all, you can just look around at everybody and laugh, okay? Will that work? Right? Ready? No, say it out loud, okay? Just say it with gusto. Okay, one, two, three. Why can't we all get along? Where's the unity? Why can't everybody be reasonable and see it just like me? Um, well, I just want to illustrate the point that unity is not always easy, is it? So if it's not always easy, if we, if we just fight over every little thing we can't agree on, then why should we even bother to try? Why should we do what Paul said in, in verse 3? Be very diligent. Make every effort to maintain unity. 
Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Does God really expect that? I mean, if, let's be honest. We don't have it very much, do we? Does God really expect that? A friend of mine has two daughters who are grown now, but when they were both teenagers, he laughed and told me about one Sunday after church, they were having lunch together, and one of his daughters looked at him and said, Dad, did you really mean that today, or were you just preaching? And, uh, yeah. So, does Paul really mean that, or is Paul just preaching? Does he really mean work for unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace? I'm reminded of what Jesus prayed in, in the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not talking about the Lord's Prayer that goes, Our Father who art in heaven. I'm talking about the prayer in John 17 where Jesus spilled his heart out before the Father. In John 17, verse 22 is one of the places over and over again in this prayer, Jesus said, I pray that my followers may be one, even as we are one. And then I think about how the early church lived. Uh, you know, on the day of Pentecost, it says that they were all with one accord in one place. And, and when the Holy Spirit came, uh, after Peter got up and preached, it says that 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. And it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And it goes on to say that if anybody had a need for something, somebody would sell something and help them out. They shared. They shared. They were one. They were one. So if Jesus prayed it and Paul preached it and the early church lived it, my question to you is, shouldn't we at least work at it? Shouldn't we at least labor toward it? Last week I talked about how uh, we are all called to, to labor. We celebrated Labor Day this week. It's just a celebration of work because we have a God who labors, a God who is a creating, laboring God. And because Jesus labored, Jesus was the one who said, I've got to work the works that my father gave me to work while I still have a chance to do it. And so we labor because we're made in God's image because we want to follow Jesus and Jesus labored. And one of the things toward which we labor is unity. We work toward preserving the unity of Christ in the spirit. So I want to say a couple of things about, about the unity for which we are laboring. One is this, and this is so important. The unity for which we labor begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus. Paul says in verse 1 in this passage that I just read that he is the prisoner of the Lord so why would he remind them that he is sitting in a prison cell while he's writing this? Why would he remind him them uh, that, that he is, is writing this from a Roman prison? I think that he is saying this because he's just kind of giving them his credentials. Because he was thrown into prison for not compromising his stand with, about Jesus. It's, it, it was all about Jesus. Unity is so important, but unity without truth is very dangerous. Yesterday, uh, as a nation, we, we mourned and we remembered um, what happened 20 years ago on 9-11. Did, uh, did you at least watch something or, or think about it and think of, maybe think about where you were uh, on the 9-11-2001? I did. I did. I had, I had a heavy heart all day thinking about that, thinking about how, how unity around uh, hate can, can be so deadly and destructive. But what gave me hope was I also remembered that, that unity uh, around a common cause and unity uh, around helping your fellow man can be so life-giving 
do you remember how right after 9-11, how we had such unity as, as a nation because we were rallying together to try to help each other. It wasn't about being a, a Republican or a Democrat or a, a Catholic or a Protestant or a Methodist or a Baptist or a New Yorker or a Alabamian. It was, how can I help? How can we work together? How can we mourn? How can we comfort? How can we work together? Unity. Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer that they may be one even as I and the Father are one. But he also prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's important that we walk in, in truth. And the truth is not a what, it's a who, it's, it's Jesus. Jesus has to be the one that we are following if we're unified behind anything. Because if we're unified and we're not following Jesus, then we're headed in the wrong direction. Paul reminded the, the Ephesians that they needed to walk worthy of their calling. And their calling was the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Their calling was to remember that they were citizens, not of the Roman Empire, but they were citizens of heaven. In other words, Paul is saying, Act like a citizen of heaven. Act like a Christian. Act like a follower of Jesus because Jesus is truth. If, we, if we're doing that, if we're doing that, it's such a powerful thing. So we're called to unity, but unity without starting with Jesus is just something we need to beware of. If someone calls you to unify behind something that doesn't look like Jesus, beware of that person, even if they quote the Bible to you. The unity, the second thing I want to say is the unity for which we labor does not require us to see eye to eye on everything. It does not require us to agree on everything. Paul uh, is talking about here in verse 2, that, that someone who is worthy of his calling uh, should exhibit these qualities. He says, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and agape love. So let's think about it. Um, if you are emphasizing all of that, if you're emphasizing humility, gentleness, and patience, and bearing with one another, and agape love, it probably means that you're having to work with somebody whom you don't see eye to eye with. Because if I see eye to eye with you, if I agree with you on everything, then I don't really need humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance, right? It's the people that, that really rub me the wrong way. It's the people that I disagree with that I have to be in forbearance with and patient with. Somebody I see eye to eye with. So what do we have to see eye to eye on then? I really love what John Wesley said about unity. His, his quote on unity is this. He said, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, tolerance. And in all things, charity or love. And the problem is... As with most things, the problem is when we go to the extreme, when we either think we have to be united on everything, like the guy on the bridge who, who pushed the guy off after he disagreed with him at one point, or we think that nothing is essential. And we take the attitude like, well, who's to say who's right? And what is truth anyway? early church, I want to remind you, the early church didn't see eye to eye on everything. The disciples didn't see eye to eye on everything, but they were in one accord on the day of Pentecost, and that's why the Holy Spirit was able to fall. So you think about the church that Paul was writing to in, in Ephesians. In that church in Ephesus, you had Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, like, like Paul. And then you had Gentiles who had come to be followers and believers of Christ. 
And you had these Jews who had grown up looking down on the Gentiles because they were Gentiles, thinking they were unclean because they were Gentiles. Many of them were saying that the Gentiles had to be circumcised and become Jewish proselytes before they could become followers of Jesus as Messiah. They had, in addition to the religious barriers, they had cultural barriers, they had racial barriers, they had social barriers. I mean, for heaven's sake, you had followers uh, of Jesus worshiping together and one would be the slave owner and one would be the slave in the same worship service. And yet, Paul said, you are all one in Christ. How could that be? Well, it wasn't that they saw eye to eye on everything. It was that they learned how to deal with one another with humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance and agape love. So if we're going to do what John Wesley said and have unity in the essentials, what are the essentials? That's a good question. And, and Paul gives us the answer to that in this passage, verses 4 through 6. He gives us seven things that are essential for us to be unified in. The sevenfold essentials of unity. One is that we are one body, and that is the church. And somebody might be thinking, well, wait a second. Preacher, there are more churches around here than you can shake a stick at. As a matter of fact, you could stand outside and throw a rock and hit another church. I mean, you could, you could throw a Frisbee about two times and hit about four churches around here, I think. And I'm not talking about congregations. I'm talking about the church with the capital C. I'm talking about the body of Christ, though all who follow Jesus all around the world. I'm talking about the church that we talk about when we say in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church not Catholic as in capital C, Roman Catholic Church, but Catholic, small c, as in the universal church. There will be some people, and you've probably heard them say, well, you know, you're right, preacher, there's one church, and it's ours, it's, it's our church. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about people like that, and those are the ones that I have to pray for humility and forbearance on. I just don't think there's going to be any name tags uh, when we leave this world, do you? I don't think there's going to be sections in heaven. Um, there's one body. There's one spirit, Paul tells us. That's the second one. One spirit. The one spirit is the same wind and breath and spirit, the same word for all three of them, the same wind that breath that was breathed into the nostrils of Adam and Eve, the same wind that blew on the day of Pentecost, the same wind that blew at creation. That same spirit calls us to unity. The closer we are to the spirit of God, the more unified we will be. One hope of your calling, Paul says in verse 4, one hope, you share one hope. That hope that we're talking about is not the wishy-washy kind of hope that we say, well, I hope my team wins the ball game or I hope it rains soon. The word hope in verse 4 means the the expectation of obtaining the good that is promised to you the desire for good with the expectation of obtaining it one lord who is jesus christ this is the essential of all essentials because if we don't look like jesus if we're not following him then we might as well quit one faith that's the fifth thing one faith here, we're not talking about a, a particular denomination or anything. We're talking about the faith and the justification by grace through faith. The only way we're going to make it. It's not going to depend on our works. It's not going to depend on our goodness to get to heaven. If, if that were so, we would all be doomed. One faith, the doctrine of justification by grace through faith. One baptism. Aha, preacher. I know, you Methodists, you baptize three different ways. Well, I'm not talking about the mode of baptism. I'm talking about the one baptism. The one result of the baptism is that we are baptized into one Lord Jesus Christ. Not John the Baptist's baptism, not somebody else's baptism. We are baptism, uh, the baptism of the Spirit into our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, 
one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. That's the sevenfold essential unity for believers. That is the bond of unity that we labor for. It's kind of like having a, a tuning fork. Any of y'all ever seen a tuning fork? Ever been around the old-fashioned tuning fork? You, you strike it against your hand or something or your leg, it produces the note, and then you tune your instrument to it. Um, well, if you have one tuning fork, if you had a room full of 100 pianos, let's say, and you tuned all of the pianos to that one tuning fork, then all hundred pianos would be tuned to each other by extension. Not because they were tuned to one another, but because they were tuned to that same tuning fork. And Jesus Christ is that one tuning fork. The closer we get to him, the closer we will be to each other. That kind of unity is healing. That kind of unity can heal a community can heal a church, it can heal a nation. The scripture that I read from Ephesians was written to a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds. But Paul said, I want you to labor for unity. Pastor Sam, don't you know how divided our country is? Yeah, I know. Don't you know how divided our denomination is? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, some people want us to, to get the vaccine and some want us not to and some want us to wear a mask. I know all that. I know all that. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that it'll happen overnight. But I'm saying we can work for it. If being divided is like being down in a hole, we can stop digging, you know? Maybe the first step at working toward unity is to not work at promoting discord and division. That would be a good step. Unity is both powerful and fragile and powerful and fragile. I want to leave you with this one quote. It says, snowflakes are one of nature's most fragile things, but just look what they can do when they stick together. Let's pray. Lord, uh, you have called us to do something that at times seems impossible, but you prayed it. It was, it was from your heart to God's heart. And, and Paul preached it. He knew that it would take forbearance. He knew it would take patience. He knew it would take agape love, but he still, he still preached it. And the early church, Lord, the, the church from which we all spring on the day of Pentecost, they actually lived it. And the whole community around them was in awe of the fact that all of these different people from all these different walks of life were all unified. So God, help us to commit our hearts today to working toward that unity and of the spirit and the bond of peace. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. me
you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>